The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds, because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I've heard it said that the Bible is the most popular book in the world that no one has ever read. It might be said as well that the Ten Commandments is the most popular list of do's and don'ts that no one can actually list. Most of us, I bet, would probably need at least a few seconds or two, maybe a pencil and a piece of paper to muster up something close to the full list. And they may seem so basic as to not really need review or reflection. Something like maybe our times tables or basic rules of grammar that we might take for granted. And yet there are probably those among us who 
struggle with basic math without having a calculator in front of us, that's me, or with basic writing and grammar without a spell checker on our computer, that's also me. The children of Israel needed help with their basic building blocks of society. They couldn't take them for granted. They didn't have technology to help them. Newly freed from the domination of the Egyptians, their task was to learn how to balance their newly found freedom with order. That's kind of one of the basic uh, tasks of any society is how do you balance freedom with order and justice. And as we know from this particular biblical narrative, we know that the Israelites did not do so well for a while. And we know that for us today, we have this challenge as well. How do we maintain freedom with order and justice? Those of us who've had some experience tending to small children, upon reflection may recall that the earliest behavioral foundation or behavioral formation is based largely on the power of no. We say no hitting, no biting, no putting that in your mouth, no running into traffic, no shouting, no breaking this, no touching that, and so forth. And it seems that God begins that way with the children of Israel as well. No other gods. No using God's name disrespectfully. No stealing, no lying, no committing adultery, and so forth. It's the power of no. But as the narrative unfolds, as we go through the Hebrew Bible and learn more about their relationship with God and about our relationship with God, there does develop a tradition of positive good deeds. The, the tradition is that there are actually 613 commandments, mitzvot, good deeds, that branch out from these ten original ones. So as God's relationship with God's children develops, different strategies evolve as to, as to how to get them to do the right thing. We know, uh, those of us still in the thick of it, that the best parenting books tell us to frame behaviors we want our children to engage in positively, and then we reward them for that. So, as a consequence of sort of where I am in life's journey, I thought we might take a moment to reimagine, to recast, to rethink the Ten Commandments themselves in positive terms. So what do they ask us to do? Make me only your God could be the first commandment. The second could be worship only me. Put me first before everything. Everything else is second to God. Use my name with reverence and respect all the time. Protect and nurture life. Be faithful to your spouse and in all, all your relationships. Give something for what you get. Tell the truth. Be grateful for what you have. Perhaps looking at the commandments this way, gives us a prize to strive for 
rather than merely defining what we need to avoid. Now, I think these basic affirmations, if we look at them this way, connect us to the basic commandments that Jesus teaches in the Christian scriptures, the two great commandments, love God, love neighbor. Upon these hang all the law and the prophets, Jesus says. The first three commandments help us to begin learning to love God. The commandments are vertical, so to speak. They address the vertical relationship between humans and God. The fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath, helps us to honor God by resting as God is reported to have rested in creation and to honor ourselves and our neighbors. We need rest to function well as human beings. And the final six give us basic guidance in loving our neighbors. The horizontal commandments, you might think of them. In the godly play curriculum that we use for our younger children, there's a wonderful lesson on the Ten Commandments. In godly play speak, these are known as the Ten Best Ways. The Ten Best Ways. And I believe this lesson actually is going to be offered as a demonstration lesson downstairs during the back-to-school church school event after coffee hour. It places the giving of the Ten Commandments squarely within the context of both the deliverance from slavery, freedom, as well as the harshness of the disorganized, scary, wilderness life that the Israelites faced once they were out of slavery and into the desert. Even more important, the way these ten best ways are framed is as being given by a God who loves people, who loves the people so much, so much, that God's not going to let them wander. God's going to give them the ways that will bring them fruitfulness and joy and justice in their newfound freedom. So, in the Godly Play way, uh, the story is told using manipulatables, uh, props, if you will, um, that move around like this and that the kids can look at and eventually touch. And then, following the story, there's a series of questions that the, uh, the storyteller asks the children. And then they respond after those questions and discussion. They go to their uh, work areas. They have materials that they can use to respond with their bodies and their hands and their, all their senses. Uh, to the words they just heard and make it their own. But what I want to end on is, is the questions that the storyteller offers to the children to elicit the God knowledge that's already in them. The teacher's job is to give them the language to express that. We're eliciting what's already there, the relationship that's already there. The questions are, I wonder which one of the ten best ways you like the best. I wonder which one is the most important. I wonder which one is especially for you. I wonder if there are any we can leave out and still have what we need. I think these are incredibly powerful questions and every godly play story is capped by those four questions. Of the four questions of this particular story, though, the one I want to leave us with as we 
hear again these words that may have gotten stale either because they're so familiar or stale because they haven't been opened in a long time. This is the question I'd like to leave us with. I wonder which one of the ten best ways is especially for you. Amen.